everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. So if you could ask God any question, what would you ask him? Maybe it'd be a question about why he didn't stop something from happening or make something happen. Why would he let that loved one die far too young? Why? Maybe you'd ask him why you lost your mom or your dad too soon. Maybe it'd be about why you had to go through some type of particular suffering or he didn't answer a certain prayer. Maybe you'd ask him to explain a part of your life that was painful or just confusing. I don't know your story, but I bet if you could ask God anything, you wouldn't ask him anything about evolution versus creation or how miracles could happen or what about the flood and where the dinosaurs go. In other words, I bet your questions wouldn't be the intellectual questions that you often bring up for why you don't want to follow Jesus. No, they'd be the emotional questions, wouldn't they? Because for most of us, when we resist following God, underneath our resistance is an emotion we just don't want to acknowledge. Our reasons are far more personal than we want to admit. But guess what? God is not intimidated by our emotions and he is not scared by our questions. He has no problem being personal with us. So today, I want to introduce you to the question that trumps all the other questions you have about God. And I know that sounds a bit grandiose, but that's how powerful this question is. When you answer this question, it doesn't eliminate all your other questions, but it definitely shrinks them. This is the question that will make God up close and personal to you. Let's talk about it in our third and final episode of Up Close and Personal. So one of the most famous men who's ever lived asked the question that I'm going to ask you today. You have quoted this man. You have read his words. You know people named after him. Well, some of you are named after him. But this question was so powerful, it transformed him from a leader who was violently opposed to Christianity to someone who, well, he was eventually martyred because of the answer to this question we're going to look at today. The story takes place a few months after the crucifixion of Jesus at a time when the Jews who had put Jesus to death, well, they were painfully aware that his followers were growing rapidly in number. Hundreds of people claimed to have seen Jesus alive after the resurrection. These eyewitnesses, they were everywhere in Jerusalem. And so these Jewish leaders set out to kill the cult following, that, at least that's how they viewed it, that was threatening their power, their wealth. It was threatening everything they had worked to build. Now, there was another man who unfortunately experienced a little bit of this hatred. His name was Stephen, and the hatred would cost him his life. Stephen was an early follower of Jesus, and he was an eyewitness to the resurrection. And Stephen had a gift for communicating. So it didn't take long for all these Jewish leaders to realize they needed to shut Stephen up before he convinced everybody of what so many people had seen. So the best way to do that would just kill him. So they trumped up some false religious charges against Stephen. They incited a mob. They dragged him outside the city, and they stoned him to death. Now, before the stoning began, each of these men took off their coats, and they laid them at the feet of the young man we're going to talk about today. This young man was tasked with watching the coats while the stoning happened. But that man would end up changing the world. He was a Jewish religious leader himself. He's the man that you've heard of that you've read about. He's the man that you know. His Jewish name was Saul, 
But he was also born a Roman citizen and given the Roman name that you're more familiar with, the name Paul. And here's what Luke says happens next in his account of the history of the early church in this document we call Acts. He says, And Saul approved of their killing Stephen. He picks up right at the end of the stoning. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So in other words, once they killed Stephen, it just opened the floodgates. It was like open season on Christians. And an intense, life-threatening persecution broke out right there in Jerusalem. And Saul, or Paul as we know him, he wanted to see all these Christians dead. He wanted this movement crushed, and so he went after them. He led the charge rounding up as many Jesus followers as he could find in Jerusalem, and he forced all of these early followers of Jesus to scatter throughout the region. There just was nowhere in Jerusalem for that many people to hide. But Saul wasn't content with them scattering. He was determined to chase them down wherever they went and end them. So Luke tells us in Acts 9 that meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. Now, this is one of the oldest cities in the world. It's the modern-day capital of Syria. To give you a little idea of just how committed Paul was to killing this Jesus movement, Jerusalem to Damascus. Well, that was a two-week trip for him in the first century. It was not an easy trip. But Paul did it, according to Luke, so that if he found any there who belonged to what he called the way, which was Jesus' followers, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now, let me just pause here for a second. If we could drop into this point in history and somebody looked at you and said, what's the chance that Paul will one day give his life to spread the message of Jesus around the world? Well, you would have said, no chance. That's never going to happen. Nobody is more opposed to Jesus than that guy right there. To give it a little context today, there's a, there's a better chance the Pope's going to become Southern Baptist than Paul's going to become a Christian. I mean, it just wouldn't happen. Nobody would have believed it. But you've heard of Paul because he did exactly that. What in the world happened that caused Paul to go from killing Christians to starting churches? Well, Luke tells us what happened. He says, as Paul neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard this voice speak to him. And the voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? To which Saul would have replied probably if he hadn't been in shock. What do you mean? I'm not persecuting a me. I'm persecuting an it. I am persecuting this cult, this newfangled movement, this false theology. But to the voice speaking to Saul that day, what was happening was far more personal. And it leads us to the question that trumps all the other questions you and I have about God. This is the most important question any man or woman could ever answer. If you ignore everything else we talk about today, I hope you'll just hold on and think about this question. Saul responds to the voice he hears and says, Who are you, Lord? You see, the answer to that question it will shrink every other question you have. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Some of you, you don't know how to answer that question, but Saul, he got an answer immediately, and it was not what he was expecting. The voice spoke back to him and said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now, Saul's with a group of guys, his posse, if you will, and he couldn't deny, they couldn't deny what he was seeing and hearing and experiencing. Jesus was making it very clear. Saul, I'm alive, and this is personal. Your problem is not with the church. 
It's not with the people who are following me. Your problem, Saul, is with me. See, some of you, you've convinced yourselves that what you're resisting is a belief system, it's a religion, it's a church. But the truth is you're not resisting something. You're resisting someone. You're resisting a person. Your issue is actually with Jesus, which is why you're going to have to wrestle with this question, the most important question you can ever answer. Who is Jesus? Well, that question and the voice that Paul heard now has Paul's undivided attention. And so from that day on, Paul reorders his entire life around this discovery. Paul didn't get all his questions answered. No. Paul changed because he met his Savior. Paul changed because he discovered who Jesus is, and that one discovery shrank all his other questions. The truth is, you and I, we've all got questions we want answers to, but they're not the most important questions. The most important question is, who is Jesus, and will I trust him? Everything else, quite honestly, takes a backseat to that because if Jesus is who he claimed to be, if the resurrection really did happen, then that tells you everything you need to know, right? You can trust everything Jesus said because he rose from the dead. When a man predicts his own death and resurrection and he pulls it off, well, you can bet he's right on everything else, can't you? If Jesus really is God in human flesh, that changes everything. Now, have you ever stopped to consider that? What if... What if God loves you so much that instead of holding a Q&A session to answer your questions, because let's be honest, that wouldn't have helped anyway. What if instead of doing that, he sent his only son into the world to die on a cross and to rise again so the biggest problem you have, which your sin, it could be forgiven? And what if he's patiently waiting on you now because he's not going to force you to believe. He's going to let you decide for yourself. What if this whole time you have been resisting Jesus when he's been doing everything he could to be up close and personal to you? So, are you willing to do whatever you have to do to answer the question, who is Jesus? Because if there's a Jesus to know, don't you want to know the answer to that question more than you want to know the answers to all the other questions you have? Don't you want to know if Jesus really is who he claimed to be, more than you want to know why you went through that pain, why your sister died so young, why your marriage blew up when you tried to do everything right, why you lost a baby when you want a baby so badly, all of those things are important. But if Jesus really exists, if you learned who he is, it would begin to give context to all the other questions. Well, later in his life, Paul wrote that there's a day coming when you and I are going to be certain. We're going to be convinced of who Jesus is. The way Paul described it, he said, one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is who he claimed to be. But here's my question for you. Why wait until one day when you could choose to trust him and get to know him today? All it takes for God to be up close and personal is for you to put your trust in him. That's it. Just trust him to be who he proved he is. Trust him that he did what he said he did for you. Trust him to forgive you. Trust him to adopt you and accept you into his family unconditionally. Now, if you're not sure yet who Jesus is, by all means, you need to research it and explore it. It's the most important question you can answer. And I'll be happy to help guide you to some resources that you may want to explore. But if you know 
Be honest with yourself. If you know Jesus was who he claimed to be, if you know it's time to go, it's time to trust. Don't let your pride stand between you and God. Remember, you have to meet God on his terms, but his terms are so simple. They are humility and trust. That's it. So, I want to close today by giving you an opportunity to meet God up close and personal. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer that voices your desire to follow Jesus and for him to be personal to you. Here's all you have to do. In your heart, in your mind, would you just say this to God? Say, Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross and rose again for my sin. So in this moment, I'm trusting him and his death as a payment for my sin. I want to be a part of your family now, God. Just tell him, as best I know how, I surrender my life to you. And here is the great news. When you come to God that way, when you choose to express humility and trust, he accepts you into his family unconditionally. He adopts you as his child. He becomes up close and personal to you. And there is nothing better than knowing you've got that kind of a relationship with your heavenly father. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for those who are choosing today to meet you on their terms. They're coming with humility. They're coming with trust. And goodness, thanks God for making it so simple for us, for making your terms so easy that everybody is invited. Everybody can meet the terms. Everybody gets a relationship with you the same way. So we're so excited for them. And would you help us now as we start or continue this journey to just continue to trust you, to build the relationship, to get to know you in a more personal way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Calway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.